Welcome to chapter 24 of the Next Gen Movement. We are joined by our very good mate, Brandon Clift, originally from Brisbane, Australia. He was doing his entrepreneurial thing there in the gym game. And now he is in the United States, very much still doing his thing. Now, what we want to talk to Brendan about is his deep work in the men's mental health space. So Brendan has been with the Mankind Project for many of years since he was a young dude. And he's continuing his passion around mental health and working with men. And we thought it was a real important time to have him on the show Given the current climate with COVID, we know that a lot of domestic situations are arising. We wanted to share the wisdom and the knowledge that Brendan has gained over his years with the Mankind Project and his focus on working with men. We really hope you enjoy this chapter. Take care, y'all. Peace. Welcome to Next Gen Movement, our sole mission to empower tomorrow's leaders by harnessing and unleashing collective wisdom, lessons and experiences of thought leaders within the community. If you've never heard of Brandon Clift, this guy has been involved with health, fitness and emotional work for all walks of life. For my time knowing Brandon, he's been a guiding light with helping people lose weight, to navigating men through their deep-rooted triggers. He even has a podcast segment called Mask Off Mondays, which has men from all around the world open up and speak vulnerably on the struggles they have now and how it's helped other men open up. So with today's times, this seems like perfect timing to bring Brandon on, onto the Next Gen Movement and welcome him to our next chapter. Welcome, mate. <laughs> Great to be here. Drum roll, drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah man i thought this would be perfect to have you on obviously we've known each other for a while you were living in oz and then moved back to america came back just before covid and then you're in amidst probably a country that's being hit harder than a lot than definitely than australia um how are you finding it if, if we go into like the men's work how are you finding the men that you may be working with or that you've spoken with, um, how it's like affected them more because of COVID. Mm. Mm. So if, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's like what's coming to the surface right now for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to answer that question, the experience for everyone's unique, right? It, it's different, but here's what we're seeing is we're seeing higher extremes in whatever that is. So it's easy for me if I'm in a relationship that there are some tough conversations with my partner that I may not want to have. So the second that comes up, it's like, sorry, babe, got to go to work. See ya. Oh, you wow. know, or I'm having trouble bonding with my son. He was fantastic when he was two and three, but now that he's got an opinion and he says, no, I'm having trouble bonding with him. It brings up triggers in me from my relationship with my father. And it's like, oh, I need to bond with this kid, but I don't know how. Oh, well, I'll go to work and not think about it for a little bit. But now we are in each other's spaces. There's a bunch of individual kingdoms that are getting blended and merged into one. And it's like a pimple, like a lot of these, these tough issues, underlying kind of stories or narratives that are driving a lot of people's behaviors are coming to the surface very quickly. Mm. Now, there's a light and a dark side to that. So if, if said person is in a, a solid community of people that can support them and guide them, give them emotional tools, help 
help inspire emotional resilience within them and give them, uh, give them some examples of how to have these tough conversations. Fantastic. Like what better way, what better time in history can we go back to sitting in a circle and being a tribe again to connect? But for those of us that may not be fortunate to have the experience or have the tools or have the upbringing to be able to breach those conversations, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of ugliness and we're seeing a lot of reactive behavior. You know, we were chatting before we went live. It's, you know, domestic violence is, is spiking at a, at a horrible rate. It's, it's really sad to see. And that, you know, in many ways is a reflection of kind of like the times right now of we are isolating. We are, we are physically separating from people. We're having to connect through Zoom meetings versus in person. So for those that may not have a strong anchor, a strong connection with themselves and have that self-awareness, naturally, we're just going to be reacting left and right to anything that comes our way and just popping without the right tools. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really interesting point, Brendan. So I'm in, I'm in recovery mm. and I have a lot of conversations with young men uh, right now on Zoom who are early on in sobriety and they have been used to having an exit strategy during the day to deal or to avoid certain emotions. And mm. whilst we are in a kind of social isolation, in a way, this has been the greatest opportunity to also nurture and develop the relationships that are primary. So in a way, we're not isolated. We're isolated from, yes, from, from the, the general social structures that we're used to, but we have a greater opportunity to do the opposite of isolation with our family, mm -hmm. which is connect. And it's COVID has been a opportunity to sit with ourselves mm -hmm. and see ourselves as we truly are. And I think that is where growth and development starts. So in some ways, to your point, there is a light and darkness and it is about tools. And I think men need that campfire um, kind of uh, support system and and i i know if i didn't have that it would be super difficult so one thing i want to ask you being so young um you look like a young cat generally you know young people do not get into this kind of work unless they've got you know gone through enough pain trauma or suffering themselves what, what actually orientated you towards this at such a such a young age hmm. fantastic question and i'm gonna do my utmost to give you the abridged answer to that yeah. so you know i'm very grateful for my upbringing because i have two parents that are very opposite in how they were raised yeah and their approach to to raising me I have a mother who is like, she is like a strong sequoia. Her roots are deep. She's got a strong trunk. Like she's very hard to move. She's, she's, she's very unwavering. She's strong and she's been through immense struggles in her life and always come out the other side stronger. But then I have my dad as well, who my dad is 
like he is the closest to the heavens of anyone I've ever known. Like if you want to find someone for inspiration, for connection, for understanding the beauty and the richness of the world, there's my father. And so if we're to look at like the masculine and the feminine poles, my mom sits more in the masculine and my dad sits more in the feminine. So I was raised in this really interesting dichotomy where I'm raised in a society where men are masculine, women are feminine, and that's the way it should be, where I'm getting the opposite kind of reading, the opposite response. So naturally for me growing up, I'm just sitting there with my pen and paper, just like taking notes, (laughs) taking notes, just watching all of it unfold, their interaction, their interactions with me. And, you know, my dad and I had a beautiful relationship up until the age of three. And then it was at that point where he really started to become challenged in his own identity, being an American raised man, you know, Southern, Southern boy coming to Australia, uh, you know, with a, with a wife who was very strong, very determined, very like strong willed as well. It's like, you know, piss or get off the pot, pick a lane, you know, pick a lane or, and dad's not someone who's going to pick a lane. He's very transformative. He's very flowy. Dad just loves to very much live in the now and enjoy all the beauty that's happening around him. So he, he went to a dark place when I was just a toddler and it was from about the age of three and the age of nine that he and my connection split wasn't happening. And it was at the age of nine where I would hear his Jeep coming down the road and I'd just, I'd hear it from a kilometer away and I'd be like, no, hiding. I'm terrified. Don't want to be near him. My, my dad, you know, was raised in the South. You know, if you do something wrong, you get a licking, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a, it was a a broad palm over the backside. And, you know, we had a, we had a counting policy. It was, it was added up each time. (laughs) So I was getting into the teens at, at, at at this point and it wasn't so much I was afraid of that. I was afraid of his rage and his anger. And one day he, he, he came home and he was, you know, working for us doing sales for a company at the time, very much commission based. And mum said, whatever you do, don't leave Brandon. You know, I'm going out to her, her business. Don't leave Brandon. She's got three hours with me and dad goes, Oh, amazing. Like here's an opportunity. I can at least squeeze in a sale right now. Brandon, are you good? Cool. Boom. He takes off. And what happened was I'm like, you know, I wasn't going to go anywhere, but when I heard his Jeep come back, I I hid because I was just afraid of him. And so he comes home, he's gone and what done the sale and he can't find me. He's freaking out. Like he's thinking the one thing I was told to do was to watch Brandon and not let him go. I disobeyed my wife. I went out, I've come back and I can't find him. And he was freaking out. And at the time he used to do this thing where if you wanted to find me, he'd whistle and don't whistle for your kids, whistle for your dog. (laughs) So I didn't like that either. And so I was just hiding. And then he eventually found me under the bed. He flipped the bed, he picked me up and he shook me. And I've never seen so much anger and rage in someone's eyes. I thought he was going to kill me. And obviously he wasn't going to kill me, but as a nine-year-old, like we look at our parents, we deify them they're the only bestowers of right and wrong. And when he was shaking me, yelling at me, he just, he saw that, that kind of fear of death in my eyes and it, it, something snapped in him and he started breaking down and I'll never forget. He just like held me into his chest and just started crying and just bawling his eyes out. 
just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so he knew that something had to change. And it was only that week that someone he was working with who uh, he never really liked all of a sudden started turning up to work, like with a bit of a different attitude Mm. and a bit bit of a different kind of like energy about him. And dad was like, can I take you for coffee? Takes him for coffee, speaks to the guy. And he goes, man, I got to be honest with you. I have not liked you ever since I've come to this company. And this bloke who never liked dad either was like, man, I've got to tell you, I've just been through an experience that, uh, that's changed my life and I'm having to take inventory and take ownership for my decisions and how I turn up. And I'm sorry if you ever felt that way, but I'm going to, you know, now's my chance to take ownership for that. And dad just goes, what is it? (laughs) Tell me what it is. Mm. (laughs) And so dad, you know, found out about the mankind project and went on the next weekend that he could find. And from the age of nine till now, I've had a best friend in my dad. Wow. And it's, that was my exposure. Cause then I went from not really having a father figure or at least in my judgment, a healthy role model in the masculine mm. or, or, or just in a male role model to a dad who was saying, you know, what, what, what emotion is that? What is it? Is it sad? Is it angry? Is it mad? You know, is it, and he would, he would ask me these questions. And so that was exposing me at a young age. My journey from there was a little bit interesting because I went to an all boys private school where 45% of the population were country boys, you know, that were boarding. Where, where, where was this at, Brendan? On the Gold Coast. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, TSS, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that where you're from originally? I'm from the, yeah, born on the Goldie. Oh, all right. Okay. And, you know, fantastic school. Like I I love that school, but the, the energy at the time, which, you know, obviously the school's pivoted since then, but the energy at the time was don't be a sissy, don't be a pussy, be a man, don't be a girl, don't Mm -hmm. be an expletive. And here I am going to school, like this really deeply emotional kid, very emotional, like could cry like that, Mm. where I was surrounded by all these jocks that were like, I was getting told a different story from my teachers, Mm. from my peers at school. And so high school was really tough to kind of figure out for me because I'm getting told by my parents that emotions are okay. And then I'm going to school where they're like, don't show weakness, don't show emotions. If you do, your life is over, your status is over, you'll never amount to anything. And so I've always had this contentious relationship with kind of connecting with my emotions and feelings until, you know, 2015, I finally discovered the Mankind Project for myself. And, you know, I'm, I've got many things that I have interests in, but I got one thing that I have an absolute undying passion for, and that is men's work. Because there's no end. There's no black belt. There's no way to measure it. The, the journey always continues. Because the relationship I create with the man in the mirror when I'm looking at myself, there is no telling how deep those roots can go, how far that journey can be traveled through the depths, the deepest depths and the highest heights. And so now for my life, being a young man, like we're circling back to you know being 27 and journeying in this work, 27 for me, like my 20s, if I'm trying to like look at a time frame, which I really don't put a, a lock on time, but at least for this phase of my life, I'm not worried about growing up. I want to grow down because I know when that root system is so deep, oh, when, I, when, I, when I know my shadows, 
when I know my deepest and dark bits. So if anyone tries and exposes my, my dark side, I can be like, thank you working on it. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working with it so that when the time comes that I want to start laying roots in the ground with where I want to live, who I want to share the rest of my life mm. with fam- bringing family into the world. I want that tree, me, the tree to grow as tall and as high as it can go. So that no matter how big the storms, you know, that root system, that intricate root system that I've put years of mindfulness and journeying and mentorship and gaining support and asking for help, that's going to keep the tree from falling over. That's how, that's the only way I know to be the best person I can be for others. The best friend, the best son, the best brother, the best citizen. So yeah, it's, it's an intangible, it's hard to measure, which can kind of suck for my logical brain, but it feels right. I, I would suggest that, I would suggest that a life for me, the most important thing an individual can do in terms of their highest thought value or ideal is personal examination and growth. Socrates said, a life unexamined is a worth a life not worth living. And I think that is the highest ideal in whatever format, uh, whatever, whether it's a faith, whether it's a system like mankind, whether it's recovery, I would suggest what you're doing is of the highest ideal that any human being can have. Mm. And to be frank with you, I, I can't connect with people on a deep level that don't have that as their primary ideal. I just can't do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can have conversations and we can have philosophy and banter and stuff like that. But for me to really have that kind of level of, Mm. of, uh, of of connection, it's, uh, it's very important. Mm. Mm. I I like hearing that RJ because I I was having, just having that conversation with with a friend of mine when someone was saying, you know, we, I run a, I run a self-awareness program with my business partner who works in neuropsychology and in this program, we get them to identify like, okay, well, what is your aspirational identity? Like, you know, what do you aspire? What are the characteristics that you want to create? What are some of the things that you might want to snip away or shrink down? And then who out there has that? Who out there has that thing? And, and study them, buy their books, join their program, whatever that is. And one of our, one of our students asked me, well, Brandon, like, what is your litmus test? Like, what is your thing that makes you determine who you want to spend your time with? And for me, it's, it's, it, it aligns, I believe, with what you said, RJ, is, man, I want to meet someone who has range. Range. I, I mean, cool. I'm excited for where you want to go and, you know, the, the vision you want to create. That, that's fantastic. But man, I want to know, like, all the trench warfare you've been in. When you've been up to your neck and blood and shit and sweat and tears. And, man, I, you know, I want to know that you can stand in the fire. And I want that for my intimate relationships going forward. I want to be with someone that I can stand in the fire with and have the tough conversations and, 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 and share that space, that vulnerable space to be like, when someone goes, one of those friends go, Brandon, how are you doing? I can go, I am deep in shame right now. Yes. There's so much like, I love that because so much of today, how you don't, yeah, good. It's always, yeah, good. And it's yeah, like, mate. yeah, no, nah, nah, all good. Yeah, no. Nah. 
Yeah. It's, very, it's a very Australian thing. I'd say that that's for sure mm. as well. The whole, the whole thing I would say, but it's quite prevalent here too, as you guys mm. know. That yeah. whole grow down thing, I think that hits me hard because of like, I'm very grateful for my partner because she keeps me grounded and growing down into like a wise old tree. <laughs> it does sound so nice as opposed to like being in the air and not, not, not saying like being in the air, but sometimes I'm not present and grounded. And that's why that grow down um, comment you said really resonated with me. And even like with what you're talking about with your dad, um, man, I love your dad and like wholeheartedly love your dad. Um, yeah. Billy Clift. He's um, a beautiful man. Yeah. And even when you're talking about how, like when prior to like mankind project, um, every time I see you guys two together, it's like there's this deep loving bonding relationship you guys have. And I can see that's the kind of relationship RJ has with his son. Um, and when you were talking about like even parts of your dad, like going identity crisis through mankind project, funnily enough, that's kind of like what happened to me. Like, do you remember mm. after, after I did that big run in Scotland and nice. I was a fucking sh bunch of shambles and you were like, dude, go hit up. This is my mate, Brooke, go see him. This is mankind project. And then like, ever since I've been going, and it was such a beautiful thing that I'm so grateful of how much awareness I have, even of my dark days, like mm. just to have the awareness piece is so strong of like, just like you said that, um, like, what am I feeling? And then able to self process what is actually triggering me, um, is, is so valuable. It's actually invaluable. Can't even put a price on that, but parts of like your dad's story I resonate with so much and like that identity thing is such a bitch like I'm I'm curious for yourself man like how has when has been a time like a really pivotal time that identity has like thrown you off off your like your normal rhythm it's like thrown you off in the deep end and like what you've like overcome from that to like have your first today <laughs> oh man well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share this from a from a, a place of conquering it because it's it's very much I'm still something I'm working on. Um, yeah, that makes sense, dude. That came in the form of like early success in business as a young person. I you know my my second crack at a fitness business just blew up on the Gold Coast. It was something that I I didn't expect. This is zone. and zone. Yeah. When I had zone and we went from, you know, not known for a little beach boot camp till one of the number one fitness businesses on the Goldie. And there's a, there's a dark, we were talking before the call about Enneagrams, right? You know, the, the nine different personality types, of course, there's many different tests, but I'm what you call a three. I'm an achiever. I like to look pretty. I like you to tell me that I'm pretty. I like to put on a fantastic show and I want it to look perfect. And so here's what happens to a 24, you know, 24 year old man who is being told left and right. Oh mate, you're killing it. You're killing it. Oh mate, you're doing so well. Oh mate. Awesome. You know, nominated for young entrepreneur of the year and getting all these accolades and clients are getting great success. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm killing it. I'm killing it. And then I'd go home, look in the mirror and just go, I am a shell of a man because you could tell me 
all day how fantastic I am, how pretty I am, how much I shine. But if I'm not telling myself that, it doesn't matter. You can give me the compliment and I'll just serve it back. I won't let it sink in. I won't own it. And so what happened was with that, I went from this place of great success, which is so subjective. Like that really success to you and me is a completely different thing. You know, it's, it always will be. It's hard. It's, it's, you can't really define it and have someone else go. Yeah, that's right. So I built this thing, which I thought was going to be my success, my salvation. It became a prison and business deal uh, relationship went bad. I was getting threatened to get beaten up, which as a 24 year old was pretty scary. I'm like, why is this 40 year old dude threatening to get people to come to my house and beat me up? Like it was, it was sad. It was like, I was like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And I had a bit of an awakening an aha moment during a a sweat lodge, a native American sweat TP on a new warrior training. And it was the strangest thing. Um, I had a purge. I had like an energetic purge and I, and I had, I was just about to buy a house and do the, do the right thing. 25, buy a house, get a bigger lease for the, for the gym, doing the right thing on a logical level, on an environmental scale. And then what happens in this sweat is I just get this aha moment and it's like, I got to go, I've got to leave this country. I've got to leave everything that's familiar right now. I've got an umbilical cord tying me to my parents right now that I need to cut and I just need to get lost somewhere. So within 12 weeks of that aha moment, I withdrew the offer on the house. I withdrew the lease offer. I sold my gym. I sold the business, kept the brand, sold my clients, sold my equipment, guitars, skateboards, surfboards, everything till I had just like a backpack of clothes. And I spent six months in South America I got lost in the jungle, played around with some jungle magic out there and just spent some time in my own space to really get to know the man in the mirror without all these social constructs and expectations that I and others were putting on me. And, you know, selling all that stuff, selling the gym and all the rest, like was just enough to like cover my debts. Debts were covered. I'm like break even at this point. So I'm in South America. I meet a beautiful woman from Salt Lake City, you know, fall in love. Next thing you know, I'm in Salt Lake City. And while I'm there, this gets to your identity question, Toph. Mm. While I'm there, I'm thinking I'm in a relationship now. This person ticks all the boxes. I need to, I need to fit in here. I need to make this fit. So I'm like, cool. I guess Salt Lake City is going to be where I live. Okay. What's a, what's a, you know, I'm so scarred. I'm so burnt. I'm so broken. Like creating all these stories for my business experience. Like, oh, I'm so, I melted down and I can never go back into entrepreneurship because it burnt me so bad. Absolute horseshit. But that's the narrative I was running because of the experience I had. And so I didn't allow that to be an option. And I thought, well, I've got to get a job. I've just got to get a job, get a steady job. She's got a great job. We'll get married, have kids you know, we'll, we'll do that thing. And it was spitting in the face of who I truly am at my core. I was trying to play a role that wasn't me because of this story I created around the identity of being self-employed, of being a business person. I was like, it's like, so, it's, it's like saying, oh, 
I dated this girl. She broke my heart. I'm never dating women again. Like such a stupid narrative, but we can get caught in it. (laughs) (laughs) But we can get caught in that narrative and that story. And so ever since then, I've been in this process of unpacking that story and like, actually like, okay, what's the underlying belief? Where did I pick up that belief? Okay, cool. BS. It's BS. Scratch it out. Boom. And just having to like untangle each of these little tangled fishing lines and narratives that have been stuck in my brain. And I'll tell you what, dude, it's only until like the past couple of weeks that I've just gone like, I am not going to dim my light anymore for anyone because of any story, because if I'm suffocating my gifts, if I'm suffocating my potential, I am suffocating myself. And I keep thinking that to get back into business is to do things the way I always did it. Great success, burnout, crash, have it all fail. No, that is insanity. I'd have to be some kind of stupid to do that again. So if I can look at it from a bird's eye view and an objective lens and not be attached to any of the emotions or narrative or story that's built up around that time and look at it and go, cool, that happened. How did it happen? Do my best not to let that happen again then I get to do it in a different way. That was checkers. This is chess. It's a different game now. So I don't identify as that young, successful kid. I just look at that time and go, hey, pretty cool, to, pretty cool knowing what I'm capable of when I've got a clear vision. But I get to choose now to do it differently. Not better, but differently. So that was a conversation that we were actually having before Brendan jumped in on the phone. This morning, so yeah, <laughs> Toph and I were actually having a conversation <laughs> about having the ability to um, kind of not get lost in the content and the dramatization of the emotions mm-hmm. that you have within the content. And high performance really lives when you can be above and above the content and you can dip into the required narrative Mm. at the time and not become the narrative. Cause see the conversation Toph and I were having is I live kind of out in the bush and I've come to the realization that I do my best work when I'm integrating different activities during the the day that keep me in flow, whether that's entrepreneurship, building the business, intense work, and then a trail run, and then playing with my son versus the traditional being in an office and getting sucked into the matrix of the content to the extent that you start to believe you are the content. And so what you're talking about is the ability to reside above that. And that then goes back to your original point of having deep root systems. Because when you have that deep root system, you're able to not get blown with the winds of life to the extent that you don't get lost and confused in the content. And that's, that's, that's very good insight, Brennan. I, I, so what does that look like for you? Where do you think you want to go with this, uh, this new entrepreneurial, do you want to get back into health, fitness, men's work? What are you thinking? Mm. Thank you for asking that question because yeah. I, I love any opportunity to reconnect with the vision mm. and, and, and at least what it's looking like. Uh, I haven't planned further than three months ahead because 
what I'm learning as we have all learned as a human, as a species is that, you know, things can change pretty quickly on a dime. And so for me, like, let's just say the next 90 days, the next 90 days for me is about getting out to Oregon and starting to, to build my relationship with nature, number one, but more than anything, start to hone my abilities to be alone, but not feel alone. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've always been someone who likes to surround myself with a lot of people, which is great. I like people. I like to be a center of attention. Fantastic. But what I've noticed through my life by doing that, I've found it difficult to create deeper connections with people because I, I will spread myself thin and they might get me wearing masks and putting on the show. And, and so for me right now, I, I'm, I'm in a way and in, in a very non-binary <laughs> linear kind of approach trying to take inventory of me and really get to know the man in the mirror. And so I've got a van, I've got my dog, brought him over from Australia. He's here with me. And man, I want to touch every nook and cranny that you would either ever think to or not think to go in America. You know, I'm half American, I'm half Aussie. I've, I know a lot about my Aussie heritage, but not enough about my American. And, and I just want to, I just want to see this beautiful country and, and get to know what it's like to be really content with me because I know that when I meet the woman I'm going to marry and create a family with her, yeah, we're going to build that canoe together. But the best way that I can be the best partner is like I alluded, like we've spoken about before is really know oneself and myself. Am I going to find what I'm looking for? I have no idea. It could all go to crap and the van could blow up and anything could happen. However, it's the uncertainty that excites me because my logical brain wants to know every step in front of me and keep me safe and keep me from danger. But I know that uncertainty has been the only thing that has ever given me the greatest gifts, clarity, focus, vision, connection, relationships in my life. So this is my own, let's say, walkabout that I'm creating for myself. I want to create my own rite of passage where I don't need 50 friends to get coffee with every week to remind me who I am. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to get that on the side of a glacier mm -hmm. as I'm backpacking from hut to hut, <laughs> you know, in Colorado. Yeah. So will it work? No idea. Won't know till we know. <laughs> nice. I guess one last question, mate, before we wrap things up, you were talking about, this connection with yourself, which I think is so important because we have to connect with ourselves before we connect with others. What is um, like one or two practical pieces of advice to anyone that may be listening to how they can stay connected with themselves during a very isolating time um, so that they're still there with themselves. So their identity doesn't get thrown away. That's a really good question. And I want to be careful how I answer that. And also preface that this is not the answer to that. No, question. There's no right or wrong, but you obviously don't yeah. know what the knowledge that you have. Right. Right. So 
Let, let's look at what I, what, let's just say what works for me and what I've seen what work for others. Get, learn what it's like to sit with the nitty, the gritty, the dirty, the ugly parts of yourself that you may have been hiding, repressing, denying, and not wanted to look at for a while. We have a fantastic opportunity right now to, to find out what might not be working because we all have a shadow. That's the beauty of beauty of shadows. They're always there and we can't always see them. But when it comes to the dark bits of my personality, my character, my character, my behaviors, it's better the devil I know than the devil I don't. And so for me, it's, I told myself forever that I'm not a writer. So I spent too much money on a pretty journal and now I write. I'm a writer now and I'm not writing this journal for anyone, but me. So every morning, 20 minutes, I wake up, light a candle and I'm just letting whatever come out. And some of it is dark, nasty, ugly. But when it goes from my head, that subjective prison of chaos and swirling madness and ends up on paper, it's just words at that point. And I read it and I go, huh, well, some of that's not true. The little bit that is true, you know what? I've got a good support network that can support me through that. Or I can be more aware of it. So the next time I do or say that thing that I tell myself I'm never going to say again and I still mess up and make the same mistakes, I can at least be more aware of how it turns up. So th th that's one side I would say is, is find a method, whatever that is, to be able to express some of those dark and dirty bits. Mm. If I was to throw in a second, I would say get a mentor. I'm, I'm really grateful for my mentors. They help me with my blind spots. They deliver lessons to me via the touch of a feather or a kick between the legs, one or the two. But they love me enough and they believe in me enough to hold me accountable, to keep me to my agreements, to give me that loving touch when I need it and to, to smack me between the eyes when I need it as well. Because I used to spend my whole life with a metaphorical machete in my hand with this pride of I'm going to cut my own path. I'm, going to, I'm just going to keep here hacking and slashing the weeds because I'm a man and I cut my own path while there's a six-lane mega highway that someone's already paved completely parallel to my journey. But my pride and my ego and stupidity is like, no, I'm cutting my own path. So I would say... Find a mentor and the gateway to that is learning to ask for support. Now, asking for support, asking for help has a bit of a stigma attached for it. If I'm to ask for help, do I have to admit that I'm weak? No. By asking for support, you are asking to grow. By reaching out to this person to ask for support, I am consciously taking a step towards growing. Mm. Because if you had all the answers, you'd figure out whatever you crap is by now it's a growing down yeah 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 exactly growing down like i don't have all the answers no way so I, I love my mentors they help me with my blind spots and they help remind me sometimes of the gold that i possess when i may not be seeing it myself so those would be my two
get used to looking at the deeper, dark, dirty bits and find someone who can support you and guide you on the way. That's fantastic, Brendan. I think that it's, if you're going to, if you're going to do that process and journey of sitting with yourself and looking at those dirty bits, it's actually um, imperative to have support while you're doing it because mm. what you may uncover, you may not have the capability or ability to, to actually deal with. So I think it's a, it's yeah. a, you know, we say in recovery, uh, don't go into your mind alone, you know, take a, take a grown up sometimes. And I think that's mm. important when you're, you're kicking off that journey. And I, I, I really like the metaphor you used about the highway and, you know, a parallel to you cutting your own path. I think, I think there's an element of, of both required. I think that, you know, by cutting your own path, there's the learning, the crucibles, you building the kind of inner uh, toughness and, and, and resilience. And, you know, along that you have your guides that help mm -hmm. you then navigate the, the blind spots in the areas that you do not know, you know, in recovery, we have, we have a saying, like when I grew into um, a family and becoming a dad from, you know, many years ago, being an absolutely dysfunctional human being for me these were what we say areas and areas i didn't have areas so i didn't have a knowledge of how to navigate or traverse the landscape so it was critical to have other men uh, support me and i think that you banged uh the nail on the head with that one and usually we wrap up these sessions by asking our guests to share one piece of game-changing advice to our next gen uh, movement and our listeners, but I think you've already done that in terms of, you know, the two things that you leave with our listeners uh, around uh, sitting with yourself, getting to know the good, the bad and the ugly and getting a mentor. Um, it's been a brilliant conversation, Brandon. I really, really um, love this conversation. You're a, a special young man. And I don't mean that in a way to, to enhance your, persona or personality because i know you're a three uh but you <laughs> but it's been a it's it's been amazing conversation mm. i really appreciate it man i concur and i'm grateful for the time to spend with you guys it's mm. been a blessing thank you